what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers i feel much better about that take and welcome <laughs> once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith hi i'm your other co-host ryan buell and uh this week we're here to talk about after pete's dragon um ryan you and i have coordinated shirts to be very uh green very green in honor of elliot <laughs> i assume yes oh yeah that, that's that's how it worked out yep and, uh, yeah, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk about what we've been watching this week. Except, <laughs> this week's going to be a little bit different, because I feel like we have a lot of conversationing to do. That's a word. And <laughs> the reason I want to I want to camp out kind of on one movie specifically that you saw, yes, um, I've seen the movie as well, is uh, you loved Suicide Squad. You didn't I, like Suicide Squad. Yeah. You loved Suicide Squad. That yes. was the text message that I got when I said, hey, what did you think of Suicide Squad? <laughs> you yeah. said, I loved it. So I kind of want to get into the meat and potatoes of that. Okay. Um, if I'm being too harsh, let me know, because I did hate the movie. That's totally um, fine, brother. So yeah, just let me know why you like this piece of trash. Uh, why, <laughs> <just kidding>. I... <laughs> why I like the movie did everything I wanted it to do. Okay. Namely, it made me care about the characters, which Dawn of Justice didn't. Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough of that emotional connection to them. Um, I'm already heavily invested in Harley Quinn. That's a rather large part of my, my personal life because that's what I, the, the characters of Deadpool and Harley Quinn I use to help propose to my wife. So she's already kind of set up to, you know, be important to me. And I thought uh, Margot Robbie. Robbie did a fantastic job as that. I thought Will Smith nailed it as Deadshot. Um, I laughed. I teared up at all at certain different points. Is it a perfect movie? I'm more than willing to concede no. Um, I know Lisa definitely agreed with a lot of reviews. I think with you guys, the beginning is really choppy and fast. And I can definitely see the hand of Warner Brothers mm, in mm -hmm. that it, it was not as good as it probably should have been if they had let David Ayers do his do what he does best. Yeah, if they were to get him Final Cut. Yeah, if they would have let him have that and not try and do this um, damage control because of, you know, the, all the bad reviews for Dawn of Justice. Um, but I just loved, I loved it. I thought it was just a fun movie. Um, like I said, I, I really cared about the characters and like the, the one scene that started me on the tearing up part is where Batman catches Deadshot. Oh yeah. And you know, the, you know, the interchange, like, like the David Ayers did a fantastic job of setting up characters. And to me, the plot, uh, yeah, whatever the plot is a plot, but for me it was about the character's journey. And I thought that was nailed perfectly. Okay. Um, yeah, per to my to my perspective. For every character, or um, maybe not every character. I mean, Captain Boomerang was just there, but I loved his character, and I love the cameo of the Flash because that ties into the comics. So my comic love, and also I think the the characters being done fairly well, made me love it. And uh, I 
I I don't do this in movies, but my fist was pumping at certain points. Like there's a line said in the movie that is a line I live by, which is where they're at the the, the bar scene. Uh-huh. Uh and Harley Quinn is going on a rant after Diablo has given his whole spiel. And she says the line, normal is a setting on a dryer. Oh. Which then she cuts to in another scene where what she really wants and, you know. But that's a phrase I've lived my entire life by. My mom preached that to me and that's what I firmly believe. There is no such thing as normal. And that just that just hit home for me. So, I don't know. Hopefully that yeah i'm more than willing to answer any other questions but. yeah i i do i have some questions about it um and one of the things is i knew i was gonna like talking to you about it because you're not going to blindly love it as you didn't love dawn of justice and you're kind of predisposed to love that a little yeah, bit too i wanted to love that yeah movie, but yeah uh, i actually think i liked it a little bit more than you did, <laughs> you did. um and you know I, I knew you would have a good reason for liking the movie um, you know, that's part of why I picked you to be uh, on the show. You, I've never disagreed with you on something, and but you haven't had a good argument as to why. Um, I still don't agree with you. But, um, yeah, but but you have good reasons. You know, you're not just like, because it's great. Um, <laughs> this movie is like better than Scorsese. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of play uh, devil's advocate slash person who hated this movie... Uh, <laughs> With that, the you know, um, Harley Quinn's rant of like, you know, you got to own that ish. And, yeah. um, you know, normal's just a setting on a dire. On a dire? Uh, <laughs> on a dryer. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Ariel, Eliza, and Eric, and Kathy, if you're listening. Um, uh, normal's just a setting on a dryer. They're psychopaths. Yeah. So, like, isn't she telling him to, like, own his psychotic nature? Or did I get the messaging? of That's the message I felt like it was sending of just, like, mm. everyone's screwy and, like, the world has abandoned us. So, like, why even bother? No. I think the message that she was sending to him was on the fact that you killed your family. And don't play this sob game. Because um, I think at the, each character each character was flawed. And some got some got their backstories more fleshed out much better. Right. Obviously, Deadshot and Harley Quinn really were kind of the stars. But Captain Boomerang, you learned a little bit, but not a whole lot. More of a tertiary side character. Mm-hmm. Enchantress, you learn a bit about her and kind of her flaws. Um, Sergeant, not Sergeant Savage. What's the the, the military guy? Why Rick Flag. Rick Flag. Yeah. You kind of learn his flaws. Um, where am I going with this? I lost my train of thought. Do you need to repeat the question? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fine. Um, with, the question was with Harley um, saying, like, own that, and, you know, normal's just a setting on a dryer. The the thing she's saying to own are, like, psychopathic behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's she's kind of saying, like, lean into it. And the movie's about psychopaths. It's about murderers. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, uh, the, what I got out of it is that they weren't necessarily doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they still didn't really come across as, with the exception of Diablo, didn't come across as remorseful for what they have done. Well, I think that's what she was trying to get him to do a little bit, is be remorseful for what you've done. Own that. Mm-hmm. That's what I interpreted it. Um, perhaps I could very well be wrong, but that's the way, that's how that line made sense to me in the moment, is each of them, at least, what. Well, specifically for Diablo own what you've done and move on 
Um, because she was visibly like angry with him about what he had done. Mm-hmm. So I think she wasn't saying own the fact that you're a psychopath, own the fact, you know, be good. You know, if you're really evil, be really evil. Um, I don't think that's what she was getting at. I think she was getting at, because it, that ties into Harley Quinn's character as being a psychologist, which I thought they actually did a pretty decent job of highlighting that, even very briefly. You know, the, the particular scene I'm thinking about is when they're on the staircase, and she has a quick interchange between her and Deadshot, and she says something like, you're a classic, a classic sociopath. Mm. I mean, just that moment of clarity, you know, which ties back, you know, to the comics where... She does have these moments of remembering that she is a psychologist. She is a therapist. She may be bat crap crazy, but that's still yeah. part of her psyche. Yeah, <laughs> pardon the pun. Um, but no, I, I saw that line given to Diablo as own the fact that you've killed your your family, and that I think that his story arc tied in very well. I think, mm-hmm. and that he was actually the most powerful guy in the whole group, but because of his sins or what he had done, he was really reluctant to do that at all. Um, I thought they did a really great translation, and he's a fairly new character. Mm-hmm. He was only created for the new Fifty Two Suicide Squad, um, but I really loved his story arc, and um, I thought Deadshot was well done. And yeah, what did you think about uh, Jared Leto? I thought he was good. I need to see more before yeah. I make a final judgment. Yeah. Like I, I some parts were kind of weird, and some parts was like, okay, he's he's a serviceable Joker. Yeah. But I, I, I can't, I, there's not enough of him for me to be like, make a solid, he's amazing, or I hated him. Like, he was just there and he, he did good. Like, he felt menacing and you bought the relationship between him and Harley Quinn. Um, but I, right now I can't make a solid judgment. And I saw an interview with Jared Leto and they said they cut a lot yeah. of his, of the Joker Harley Quinn stuff out. So I'm curious to see if like the Blu-ray director's cut might have more for us to kind of give a more solid opinion about him. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with that for sure. I had one other question, and I am failing to remember it. Oh, gosh. What was it? It was about the movie as a whole. Mm. I remember what it was. So it sounds like if you've read the comics, you kind of will understand the movie a little bit more and yeah i I think if you if you already have a love for the characters and you Mm -hmm. know a bit of their history you will appreciate it more but i can also see your side of things about a movie should just you shouldn't have to have a backstory that's exactly where i was going with it which i can appreciate that i can appreciate people being like well i have not read any of the suicide squad stuff a good movie should get me there and did that movie do that? Not necessarily. But again, I blame that on Warner Brothers. I think if David Ayers had been able to have full reign and not have them like, you need to fix this, yeah. I think it would have been better. Yeah, that was yeah, that was exactly where I was going. I'm like, well, isn't it still still kind of a failure of the movie to have not made me like someone who doesn't care about these characters care about them? Because like, I didn't give a crap about Iron Man and now he's great. I don't give a crap about Captain America, and that's, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is the second one. Mm. Um, And one of my favorite movies of this year is the third one, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's my big hang-up on a, I guess, on a more of a mechanical level Mm -hmm. with the movie of, like, it felt like I needed to read issues, you know, one and two, and then this movie was issues three and four, and then it was just kind of to be continued in five and six. You know, it felt like there were... 
two comic book issues that I had to have read and two more that I should have gotten at yeah. the end of their story. I and and I didn't get that. And so it was, for me, it was just kind of like, well, then you failed because you made your comic book movie feel like a comic book, but it's not a comic book. It's a movie. Like they're two different mediums. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge the aesthetics of the comic book bleeding into the comic book mm-hmm. movie. Um, it's more the structure of it. Because comics can be a little intimidating and a little confusing oh, for yeah. someone who's not into them. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's hard to know where to start with comics. And I don't want that to become the norm for movies. Yes. I don't think it will no, um, but, at yeah. all. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, when I do see something like Suicide Squad that kind of feels like okay, you're reading this comic that you should have been reading the whole time. It's like, well, why? (laughs) Hang on. Unless it's a sequel, why? (laughs) Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, for me, it just, it hit the right, it hit the right spot. And I saw it with with my wife, Lisa, which was also kind of a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> what did you think about all the uh, pop songs, the use of that? That was a little heavy. <laughs> yeah. That was a little heavy. There were certain parts I was like, you didn't need that. We can yeah. just, just give me some, uh, I don't know, just... Just a score. A score. Yeah, give me a score. Uh, I think it was a little heavy. I mean, certain songs were cool, but it just seemed like... I definitely agree with uh, that particular negative. Most people, it's just a little heavy-handed. Yeah, real on the nose, too. Yeah. Like, the songs were so obvious. The song choices were so obvious. Yeah. Um, this movie, actually, we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the YouTube show. I forgot to talk about it. This movie, and I guess it's going to be, uh, it's going to play a lot dumber on the podcast because it's audio only. This movie actually had one of my favorite shots of 2016 in it. Yeah. And it's the first shot we see when Amanda Waller is giving her presentation to uh, the big government guys about the Enchantress. And she has the Enchantress possess oh, Dr. Yeah, June yeah, Moon. The hand. Yeah. And That's pretty dope. It shows her hand, and then the Enchantress's hand comes underneath her hand interlocks fingers and then flips over and she's now the enchantress and i was like that's amazing yeah that was well done yeah i was like that that if that movie could have done that kind of stuff more often it would have been one of the best movies of the summer i feel like yeah um i felt like that was a shot out of a great horror movie and i was like shame on you horror movies for not figuring that out before (laughs) that was the one of the best on-screen portrayals of possession i've ever seen it was so good yeah it was so good. Oh my gosh, I love that scene. Like, I, every once in a while, when Suicide Squad gets brought up, I'm just like, yeah, but that one scene with Enchantress, <laughs> like that one shot has just stuck with me, even, you know, almost two weeks removed from it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, that that's that Suicide Squad talk. Uh, kind of a different perspective, obviously, from someone who enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I know I did. It kind of... Help me understand the psyche of someone who likes the movie a little bit more because I was very judgy towards the people who I thought liked it in our theater after. I was oh, no. I, I was very snobby about it, I will admit. How would um, you like this trash? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, hearing you explain it uh, makes me understand that a little bit more. Once again, I'm not sure that's the case for everyone who liked it in our theater. Yeah, um, and, I, and I've heard... I've heard fans defend it and 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 not at least admit the movie's flawed. Yeah. And those people I cannot agree with. But people will say, you know, you can't argue with an opinion. Per yeah, yeah, yeah. So if someone yeah, loves yeah. a movie just because they love it, despite flaws, uh, 
cool means. Yeah. But if you're going to fight tooth and nail, like, no, technically it was amazing. And no, you're yeah. not going to win that argument. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, let's talk some news. That was the news song. That was... <laughs> <laughs> New segment intro, Honking yeah. Horn. We're going to have to time that every week now. <laughs> um, We've talked about the first trailer for this movie, but we got a new one this last week. We, and I'm so sorry for talking Star Wars again, but we got a new Star Wars Rogue One trailer. Yeah. Oh boy. Yep. Yep. Oh man. It was amazing. What a trailer. <laughs> that is the trailer of the year so far. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Star Wars Rogue One, or Rogue One, a Star Wars story, whatever the heck it's called. Yeah. Got a new trailer. It's the second trailer that's been released. Uh, the first one was a solid teaser trailer. I liked it. Um, this one, we got a lot of new footage, a ton of new footage. We saw the scope. We saw the scale. It's a, it's a movie about the people who are tasked with getting the plans to the Death Star that eventually lead the rebellion to blowing up the Death Star. Um, Mm -hmm. they're the ones who get the plans that show the weak point in the Death Star. So the trailer is, is, you know, a bunch of new footage. It's about kind of more about the characters than the first one the first one was very focused on uh Jin Erso mm-hmm. um this one we got more of a feel for uh Forrest Whitaker's character and um the blind sniper guy and the Donnie the, Yen yeah Donnie Yen the 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 samurai guy not mm-hmm. the sniper guy and um Alan Tudyk's uh robot like battle C3PO or whatever yeah. his name is and uh, we just kind of got filled in in this world a little bit more. And, oh, it's such a good trailer. It was amazing. Without giving any story away. Mm-mm. I mean, we kind of know the basics yeah, of the story. Yeah, you get the basic plot, but it's not like like Dawn of Justice trailer. Yeah. Plot. We're like, yeah. oh, I just saw the movie in two minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Darth Vader showed up at the end. <sighs> Looking a little scrawny, but Darth Vader showed up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was clearly not, uh, uh, what's his name? David. David, uh, not David Ayers. Uh, not David Lean. Not David Lean. This is a German guy, I thought. Oh, he's British. David Krauss? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Something along those lines. He was a bodybuilder. Really? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's really sad. He's got, uh, I believe he has uh, dementia. David Prowse. Prowse. I have the house. Yep, David Prowse. Yeah. Um, so, wh- I mean, what did you think about this trailer? I loved it. I loved it. It looks like it's got fantastic characters, and the story looks amazing. Um, I'm, I'm all on board. I, I am curious to what degree Vader will be in it. Is he going to be just a brief cameo? Is he going to have a major role? And theory I have in my head is, are they going to get um, the guy that everybody hated who played Anakin? Oh, Hayden Christensen? Yeah. Is he going to wear the suit? Are they just going to get a big bulky guy and James Earl Jones, which pretty much that's all you need. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I had heard rumors that Hayden Christensen might be coming back. But um, yeah, no, I'm excited. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I just, the scope of this movie looks so big Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, it's kind of a smaller story, um, but as far as 
the 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 scale of these ships is huge and and it looks uh i mean it looks like something you need to see on a big screen um you know it looks very much intended for as big of a screen as possible it looks great um gareth edwards does this really great thing with scale he did the godzilla movie um in the last couple years which i thought showed a great godzilla and like the godzilla of that movie was exactly how godzilla should look you know when it's when you have the technology to make it not a guy in a suit that's exactly how godzilla should have looked Mm -hmm. um it has a great shot of the death star upside down because there's no up and down in space yeah and uh there's a couple shots in force awakens that do that too and those are my favorite shots in that i like it when space photography realizes that there's no directions in space and yeah. so people were like how are how are these on the death star upside down like i saw a couple of memes that were like um about that upside down death star and it showed the you know the shot of the, in the movie where it was quote upside down and then it showed the people like in the death star and it was just an upside down picture of people in the death star and it was like no that's not uh, that's not how it works like there's <laughs> there's no directions in space that's all manufactured gravity dummies yeah um and so yeah i i i loved it there's that great shot of uh jenna urso walking towards the tie fighter that's amazing yeah. there's that shot of that like crazy desert landscape with the star destroyers over it uh the action looks super well shot mm-hmm. i am so on board for this movie yeah and you know i'm on record as not loving the force awakens yeah. as are you a little bit yeah it's i i like it but it's not i'm way more excited for this than i was for force awakens ever was for force awakens you know even even when they announced it um i was like oh cool star wars is coming back and like i I was excited obviously because i love star wars yeah and then it came out and i was like that was all right and then stuff with this came along and i was like okay like mm, it kind of i feel like it almost ruins the magic a little bit to have a star wars movie every year and then the the first trailer came out and i was like oh that looks good like i'll check that out like i knew i was gonna check it out anyway yeah and then this new trailer came out and i am fully in the tank for this movie right now it looks great um i think i think it could be one of the better action movies of the year just in general Mm -hmm. and i'm very much looking forward to not john williams doing the score um, oh, he's not. No, uh, Alexandre Desplat is doing it. He's a French composer who he does a lot of Wes Anderson's movies. Okay. Um, he did he did a really good score recently. I don't remember what it was. There was one movie that I saw recently where I was like, man, I love the score, which is saying something because I never noticed that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was it was him. I don't remember what movie that was, but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what just someone who's not John Williams sounds like playing around in this yeah. world. I think that's the beautiful thing about Disney owning Star Wars and them doing a Star Wars movie every year is different people can give their interpretations of Star Wars and yeah. add their own mark to the universe. Yeah, I think it's, it's good. It's what it needs. Yeah, yeah. It's my least favorite thing about um, about The Force Awakens is it makes this expansive universe feel very small. Yeah. And it shouldn't feel that small. It's this grand sweeping space opera and like, it just kind of felt like we were like why why was uh jakku not tatooine it looked exactly the same it just felt like we were on tatooine again Mm. you know some of those other plans felt like endor again and so it's cool to see them doing this like really beachy area and this really like high desert like mountainous like rocky area in it uh but like 
not snowy mountains and not like heavily dense forests you know it feels like there's a sense of scale to that universe now that we haven't gotten from the episodic ones you know um even the prequels like you know you got naboo and coruscant and all that stuff but you still spend a lot of time on tatooine Mm, coruscant Mm, yeah yeah Yeah. and so so they've had this very deliberately small universe and i don't understand it and so just flesh it out is really i think it's such a good idea yeah and you know, I'm, I'm hoping they do the same thing with the Han Solo movie. We get to see him doing, like, smuggling stuff and, like, almost, you know, you get this, you can have this Han Solo, Lando Calrissian, and Jabba the Hutt kind of origin story. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a good way to have an expanded universe in, in the films. Yeah. And, like you said, watching these people interpret it is great. I'm really excited that there's not going to be an opening crawl. Yeah. Like, I've, I've just never... It's not. Oh, that's, oh, that's pretty sweet. As far as I know, it's not. But I'm just excited for, like, the Star Wars formula to kind of be played with a little bit, you yeah. know? I'm not so precious about it that it has to fit this certain mold. Why should it? It's yeah. got so many stories to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this movie. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Yep. Um, all right, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back to talk about Pete's Dragon. The magic dragon. That's the just theme from Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna sing "Puff the Magic Dragon" every week now. <laughs> Apparently, that's my new transition. <laughs> talk about pete's dragon 2016 not 1977 version mm-hmm. um pete's dragon is a remake of the 1977 version it's part of this sort of disney live action remake uh kick that they've been on where they do these live action remakes of their animated movies um the original pete's dragon was a combination live action animated movie this is a combination live action cgi dragon um movie but it is very different from the original 1977 version this movie is about a little boy named pete whose parents die in a car accident Mm. and he is rescued by a big fuzzy dragon named elliot and he lives for six years in the forests of uh washington or oregon one of the two one of those yeah Yeah, uh pacific northwest with uh with elliot his dragon it's pete and elliot hanging out and a group of loggers force him out of his home and he gets discovered and people kind of um just learn about Elliot and it's kind of about them reckoning with it. You know, you've got uh, one logger who kind of tries to do right uh, or do the right thing. You, uh, that's played by Wes Bentley. And then you have another logger by played by Carl Urban who is kind of out for himself. And he thinks, uh, you know, sort of a riff on King Kong. He thinks that uh, bagging King or bagging Elliot and, and bringing him into, into town is going to make him rich. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of, that's basically the crux of the story. It's also about Pete kind of finding his place now that he's had contact with other people after yeah. six years. And, you know, it's sort of a family story. It's a Disney movie, obviously. So it's like, got feel-good stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think about Pete's Dragon? I really loved it. I really loved it. Um, I love the, the relationship that they set up between Pete and the dragon. Uh, it very much fit, like we talked about last time, but the, the boy and his dog uh, kind of mentality mm-hmm. and that kind of a story. It really did that well. Um, the parents' death scene was a little... Yeah. Was like, this is just for the movie. This, this is just a plot point. Let's move on. Like, I felt like, 
most movies I can dispend, I can suspend disbelief and say, okay, for the sake of the plot, let's move this along. But at that point, I just thought, his parents just died. Would he really just grab a bed like, well, I'm going into the woods. Yeah, you know? it didn't. It was weird because it spent a lot of time on that and yeah. like a lot of time leading up to it. And then when it actually happened, it didn't spend nearly enough time dwelling on it. Yeah, um, It was really weirdly paced. I actually started out the movie kind of hating it because of that. I really didn't like that first scene. Yeah. Um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so that part, I, I can understand why they did it because you don't want to dwell on... That's heavy, heavy death right there. Right. And this is a family film. So they, I understand why they kind of had to gloss over it just to be like, okay, now he's alone in the woods. But once he meets Elliot and that whole scene, that's when the movie really began for me. I was like, okay, I'm down. Mm-hmm. You've got my attention. You're pulling on my heartstrings. Like the animation they gave Elliot and even the, the little boy that played young, young, younger Pete. Oh, yeah. Was just beautiful i mean especially with the wolves are surrounding him and then elliot kind of comes out to save him and then he looks and is like are you gonna hurt me are you gonna are you uh, i don't remember what he says to him but something yeah. along those lines are you gonna, are you hurt gonna me? eat me i think yeah says. and then elliot's face is just like i wouldn't eat you and then just that that love you know when he lovingly pushes the backpack towards him and then just this relationship is established and then i love just the imagery of of, of elliot holding him in his arms and then flying up just that that beautiful picture of a protector just caring for this child that he's now mm-hmm. kind of inherited and i was on board from from that moment on i was like okay i'm good give me more pete and elliot and i'll be happy yeah um and almost any other time where it was a pete and elliot i was like no no, no take me back to there robert redford the movie <sighs> did you like him in that you know um robert redford's the man yeah and i love robert redford and i thought he was really good in this movie Although I thought he made some choices with the way he decided to deliver his dialogue. Yeah. He would run together his words in a very strange way. Yeah. Um, and it was really odd. It, it didn't... There were a couple moments where it, it brought me out of the movie. Yeah, see, to me, it just felt, it didn't feel like this is this character. It just felt like, oh, it's Robert Redford and he's reading lines. Yeah. So it just it didn't click with me, his character. Any moment he was in it, the movie went down for me. I, you know what? I really liked it because he was clearly having a good time. Yeah. And it made me happy that he was just, like, enjoying himself. Um, it felt like every time he was like, I shall show the world whimsy like the, the likes of which have never been seen by man before. He was just, Magic. yeah, he was so whimsical in the movie. Mm. And, uh, he was just like, I glint to 11. Like he was becoming, he was becoming a whimsy super saiyan in this movie. And I was, I was on board with that. I was like, you know what? You've been around long enough. Go for it. Robert yeah. Redford. Um, Carl Urban, I actually didn't like in the movie. Oh, you didn't like his character? No. I didn't think he had a whole lot to do. I mean, yeah. he played the antagonist, but not really. Like, he wasn't like a bad, bad guy. Like, I didn't hate his character. I just, I didn't like his performance in it. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was kind of wooden. Mm. Um, I thought it was like Bones without the Southern charm mm. a little bit, you know? It, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it just, I was like, eh, I don't really care about you either way. Yeah. Um. So, which it's funny because I found out recently my wife is not the hugest Carl Urban fan, and I love Carl Urban. I love some Carl Urban. <laughs> but yeah, I was actually I was probably the most disappointed by him because I was expecting the most from him because I love Carl Urban, mm-hmm. and he was just kind of there. Um, 
Like, I felt like he was just kind of like, well, will this get me a Dread sequel? Like, it seems like <laughs> it seems like that's how he chooses roles lately. Yeah, he has really can't. I actually watched that today. Oh, I love that movie. But anyways. Yeah. yeah, and so, so yeah, I liked the movie. Um, I, I thought the movie was pretty good. It's a little slow. Mm. And it's got this, it's been, it did this weird thing that I think a couple other kids' movies have done this, this year and that. I don't know how much kids would like this movie. It, some of the kids in my screening were getting restless and I was like, I can't blame you, man. Like, yeah. it's, I felt the same way about the BFG, like, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a well-made movie. I think it's a well-acted movie. I think there's a lot uh, thematically going on. I just think that a kid would be bored by it. I think I would have been bored by it when I was a kid, for sure. Yeah, well, to me, I blame that on the the instant gratification generation that we now have, which is why most of the kid movies we have are like a bajillion miles a minute and there's always got to be action happening every three seconds because you got to keep the kids' attention because if you don't, they're going to be on their uh, right. iPhone looking at YouTube. Um, I, I appreciated the slow pace, but I can see with the generation we have now, mm-hmm. with the BFG and with this, I can see kids just being like, okay, what's next? You know, they don't allow the magic yeah. of the moment. Like, you know, Robert Red, you don't believe in the magic. Yeah. His whole spiel he kept bringing up. They don't really let them... There's very few kids who will do that. Yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of, like, it, it plays really good to adults, but I was like, yeah, but if someone's kind of, like, trying to bring their kid to this, like, they're not going to pay attention to it. And then you've just got, like, crappy kids in a theater <laughs> dealing with stuff. And, like, on one hand, I appreciate Disney's commitment to, like, super high-quality entertainment, but at the same time, I feel like there is a balance to hit there. And I think the Lego movie did that really nicely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and before the movie, I saw the trailer for Storks, and mm-hmm. I think that movie looks hilarious. Really? That one yeah. looks stupid to me personally. Um, did but... you see the full trailer for it? Yeah. They, oh, okay. They showed that one just before. There is... The joke that got me where I was like, I'm going to see this. Okay. Was the stupid don't wake the baby up silent fight between them and the baby. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Like, <laughs> I was I was trying not to crack up because I saw the movie by myself. And I was like, I don't want to look like a creepo just cracking up at this weird baby movie. But it just, it made me laugh really that hard. Just, that hit the yeah, just core. Yeah, of like them having this super hardcore fight scene. But like trying to be as silent as possible not during it. to wake it. the baby. Yeah, so like all their hayas and stuff are whispered. And then like one of the penguins gets an injury so he pulls a pillow out and screams into the pillow because he's in pain i was like yep all right that works i'm on board uh also andy samberg is the main uh the voice of the main stork and i like andy samberg uh, I tell who that was. yeah it was andy samberg he okay. was in he was in pop star which has been my favorite comedy i've seen this year so yeah. he's he's in my good graces quite a bit right now okay um but yeah so i think and warner brothers has been doing a lot of really good animation lately mm-hmm. um with the Lego movie, and yeah. I think Storks won't be as good as the Lego movie, because few movies will be, because yeah. um, the movie's great. Uh, I think it'll be really funny. Um, I think Lego Batman looks hysterically funny. Yeah. Um, and and so I think Warner Brothers is doing is hitting that balance really well. Disney, they're opting for this uh, this more classical style, which I get and I like, but having to sit through that and the BFG in the same summer, it was like, what are you doing? Mm. It almost feels like they're, I mean, and they don't have to. They don't have to care about their box office this summer because they had such a uh, 
a strong opening to the year mm-hmm. and a strong they're gonna have a strong closing to the year with uh, rogue one yeah and doctor strange uh kind of bookending that yeah. but it just felt and it, it's not like they weren't committed to the quality of the movie it just felt like they knew this was um these movies were a little bit gentler mm-hmm. and so they released them during the summer which you don't really think about i feel like if these movies may have been released in the fall they would have done a lot better yeah you know there's something very like if if the bfg would have come out thanksgiving weekend i think it would have done gangbusters because like i feel like that's when the people are in the mood for that kind of movie you know these movies aren't summer movies to me yeah and which is fine um but i was just like yeah all right it's some slow kids movies out there yeah um but but you know bryce dallas howard was okay uh She's a little bit wooden. I don't. I, yeah, sure. Her performance uh, to me, it it moved the story along again. Yeah. Any time away from Elliot and Pete, I just want to get back to that relationship. So. Yeah, and that's the thing is like the CGI on Elliot isn't even the best CGI I've ever seen them do, but they made that character so expressive and great, mm-hmm. and that it didn't really matter. Like I just fully bought into Elliot as as a character. And, the, yeah, like you said, the stretches where it wasn't them, like, I was like, this is fine, I guess. And the, the kid who played Pete is an amazing actor. He was really good. Um, he's he's great. And the way he, like, carried himself for the whole movie, he kind of sat in that, like, feral kid position the mm-hmm. whole time. And, like, I thought that was such a beautiful touch, you know? Yeah. I thought that the, the commitment to that was great. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it didn't, uh, I like, and, and I would recommend this movie. I would say you should see it, but it's just, it's also just kind of fine, but mm-hmm. a little bit more than that. Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's not great to me. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty good. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, it's, it's not in the pantheon of amazing children's movies. Or yeah. The Disney remakes. Um, but it is, it is a good, it is a good movie. Like overall, I would say it's a good movie. Um, I think part of it is I don't know why it took 112 minutes to tell that story. Yeah. But at I, the same time, I didn't feel like any scene was unnecessary. It's a weird middle point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but right also, it's not a mediocre movie. It's weird. This is a weird movie. Yeah. Um, As far as that kind of stuff goes, as far as my stance on it, because I do feel like it was too long, but I don't know what I would have cut out. But also, it's pretty good. Like it's it's just weird. Yeah, you know what I mean. Weird point. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's and that's how I felt too. Like I enjoyed it, and like I said, I I loved the the bits with Pete and Elliot. Favorite parts of the whole. Yeah, movie. yeah. If I could have just more of them, yeah, I think the movie would have gone up a bit more. Yeah, if it would have been him raising Elliot for or him raising Pete for six years, and then he, the it ends almost. If it were just the forest book, as it were, yeah, um, of <laughs> of Pete and Elliot hanging out and him kind of learning life lessons from this dragon, and you know the dragon kind of learning how to be a parent and a guardian, and then it kind of ends on these loggers coming in and I mean, it'd be a super dark ending yeah. of like, you're destroying my home. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> that wouldn't work, but just if a park ranger happened across yeah. him and that was kind of the end of the movie, I feel like it almost would have worked a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, cause, cause the, the animated jungle book just kind of ends with him walking off into the man village and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really need to know what happened after we know we saw what got him to that point. And I think, this movie would have benefited from that. 
However, I also understand why they wouldn't do that because it would have just, just been the Jungle Book. Plainly ripped off of that, yeah. Um, yeah, I just the the it was. I mean, it's kind of the problem that the Transformers movies have, where like there's too many people <laughs> in it, yeah. and I just like didn't care about them, especially because it's called Pete's Dragon, and there's like a long stretch in the middle where that dragon isn't there. Yeah, I wish he was more a part of it. Although the scenes that showed him looking for Elliot really were touching like they really pulled like th- this movie had so many heartstream moments like pulling on that yeah you know the the paternal relationship is that the right phrase but the relationship between pete and elliot yeah you just bought that you know hook line and sinker and it wasn't a forced thing it felt very organic yeah and it didn't feel i mean i know we talked about this a little bit last week of like it didn't you go to the movies to be manipulated but it didn't feel super manipulative yeah you know what i mean it wasn't uh they they didn't play these for like these huge moments they were very subtle almost understated moments Mm -hmm. um that happened and i appreciated that i didn't feel like my uh even though the movie takes place in a sort of indiscriminate 1980s period uh where they still use landlines and there's no cell phones and they travel by compass Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it was preying on 1980s nostalgia um, the way a lot of things do of like, oh, this worked for Spielberg in the 80s. Let's just do that again. Yeah. Um, you know, and as much as I loved that kind of stuff in Stranger Things, you can burn out on that kind of stuff really easily. Yeah. You know, if it was just a bunch of visual callbacks to E.T., um, which it could have easily been because it's a similar similar story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not exactly the same, obviously. But uh, if it were like a bunch of visual callbacks to any movie that Spielberg made with kids in it. It would have been annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, David Lowry chose to forge his own path with the way he made the movie. Um, it looks amazing. He shot yeah. this movie like crazy. He did a phenomenal job shooting this movie. Yeah. Um, it looks, you know, it looks kind of like an indie movie. And he's an indie movie director. Yeah, dude, that, that would explain the music choices he had. And yeah. Not having a traditional score, per se. There was a lot of, like, they had the, you had the luminaires yeah. were in there. And I just thought, this this is a big-budget Disney movie, but it's got a little bit of an indie feel with these random songs. Yeah, that stuff felt kind of weird to me just yeah. because it does take place in the 80s and the Lumineers are now times yeah. and, and, and it would have been fine if it was just over the, the movie, but there's a point where she turns the radio on and the Lumineers are playing on the radio and then it becomes the song in the movie. It's source music. Oh. Okay. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, this is weird and alternate 1980s where the Lumineers existed. Um, and like, it's, that's a, I guess it's a huge nitpick, but it was just for a second. I was like, what? Why are the Lumineers on the radio in the <laughs> 1980s? And they don't explicitly state that it's the 1980s. So maybe it's just a land that technology has not touched. But oh, I, f- I feel like it's the 80s. Yeah. Mountain areas. It- technology does not work so yeah that could be the explanation of for the landlines and stuff but that's true um one last thing i guess uh west bentley in this movie he was kind of useless i felt like yeah i could have if he was not there i would not have noticed yeah. his absence at all yeah uh super underutilized I he, think. he did play the role of the, the boyfriend and kind of the the father figure if you will mm. for pete and filling that role um so that part i could see but he really didn't have a whole lot to do even the, the uh, missed opportunity the brother dynamic yeah I mean, that was not played up yeah. enough for me to care 
It was just like, oh, there's some strife between them, but that never gets explored. Yeah. And then, like, it was weird that she was a park ranger who was super into conservation who was marrying a logger. Like, yeah. Like, Conflict of interest yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It, it, at the beginning of the movie, she, like, goes up to one of his construction uh, vehicles, like a, like a, uh, not a bulldozer, but the little scooper thing, and um, just grabs the keys out of it and, like, throws them into the forest. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm just keeping him on his toes. And her partner's like, aren't you guys getting hitched soon? And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're super into conserving this forest. But you're dating the man responsible for destroying it? Why? Yeah. That would be like if you were if you were a pacifist and you were super into James Bond. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you were like, I want to marry James Bond. It's like, that man's a professional hitman. Yeah. That's it. He's just a hitman with a contract from the government. <laughs> um, License to kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it just, like, that whole relationship from the get-go, I was like, why? Why are you a couple? Yeah. You're you're so at odds with each other in your professional lives, and you're both clearly very dedicated to your professional lives. No. Why would you make the decision to be in a relationship? Because I don't know if I could separate that from my spouse. If, yeah. if they were involved, if they did something, if they got paid to do something I despise, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'd, that could work out. Yeah, that would not end very well, I don't think. But it's it's the suspending of of, uh, of disbelief. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Not that you have to, but for the story... The flow where they wanted it to. Yeah. Can see why. Well, and I think that. part of it is just the the, uh, the West Bentley character is super not fleshed out. So, like, mm-hmm. we don't really get to see their relationship dynamic necessarily. Yeah. Um, there was also... This bugged me more than it should have. This is... Su- I'm getting super nitpicky with this movie and I don't know why. <laughs> she, like, wore her ranger outfit for an entire day? Yeah. Like, she came home from work and just stayed in her ranger shirt the whole time, including while she was getting ready for bed. Yeah. Like, she was teaching she was teaching Pete how to brush his teeth, and they were, like, in pajamas, and then she was just, like, in her ranger uniform. <laughs> but then there was, like, a tie, like, a cardigan that she had over it, and it was like, this is my relaxing times. <laughs> and I was like, what? why are you wearing that? Maybe that's because... This this I wasn't super clear on, but I guess she li- was living there with the guy, or was mm-hmm. she living with her dad? I wasn't clear on oh, where yeah. her home was. Yeah, so that's I just true. assumed she just stayed in her gear because she just she hadn't the, changed. She hadn't changed yet. Yeah, so, unless that was not maybe case. maybe I they didn't do a good job explaining because then she yeah. does go visit her dad like immediately after that. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just like, this is weird. <laughs> well, she also the beginning of the movie. She's, She's leaving his dad. house. Yeah. So where the heck does she live? <laughs> She's just a transient. <laughs> That's the untold darker story they couldn't tell. <laughs> just, just a leaf on the wind, baby. She's just a vagabond until she gets married. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, That's hilarious. Uh... Oh, um, what did you think about the little girl? I thought uh, the actress. I thought the the, the actress. She was good. Um, I can see she was the catalyst for the events that transpired. Um, I 
kind of middle of the road for me. What did you think of her? She's a good little actress. I think they did this annoying thing where she was too wise for her age, mm. which I don't really like. I'm not super into. Um, she just, yeah, she was just a little too smart mm. for being how old she was, and it was yeah. it was just kind of annoying. <laughs> like, yeah. um, they just gave her lines that I felt like an adult should have had. Yeah, was she also ten? She's supposed to be the same age. Same yeah. age as, as Pete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had really good chemistry together. Um, they yeah. really like were friendly on set and got along. And you could tell. And I think you can tell that stuff really easily in kid actors. And um, I think we've been seeing an uptick in really solid kid actors lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the kids in Stranger Things are great. Yeah. Uh, the little girl from the VFG was amazing. Um, Pete and the little girl in this were amazing. Uh, I just watched Midnight Special the other day. And the little boy in that was really good. I didn't like the movie a whole lot, but he was really good. There's just been this influx of, like, really solid kids in movies lately, and I like that. Mm. Um, Yeah, uh, Pete's Dragon's good. Uh, Go see it. Um, It's just a little slow. Uh, It's a little bit of a... It's very deliberate. It's a very relaxing movie, much like the BFG. Yeah. Um, Very little stress in the movie. Yeah, there's not. There is a central conflict, but it's not. It resolves very quickly. Yeah, and it's not super uh, stressful. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you do see like the Carl Urban being mean to Elliot, and like that sucks. Like it was, it was a real bummer. Yeah. Um, but after that, it's fine. You know, um, and then Robert Redford goes on a Mad Max style uh, car chase. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It was Fury Road. It was uh, Road Warrior. Road it, re- Warrior. it reminded me of when he was driving the gas out in Road Warrior. That's right. I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. Hold on. What would you think of the fire breathing scene? I know we're kind of closing out. But... Yeah, so so the climax of the movie is that uh, Elliot gets tranked by Carl Urban and taken back to their logging facility and much like I said much like King Kong he's like this is my ticket to fame and fortune and uh riches and all this uh which I guess fortune and riches are the same thing yeah and um (laughs) and then Robert Redford and the kids kind of uh Elliot has stealth mode um and he can he can he can become invisible and so he becomes invisible because he's he's too groggy from the tranquilizers to fly and so they drive him out on this flatbed uh, truck it becomes this big car chase scene and then uh, Elliot finally gets is able to fly and he ends up getting very angry at humans understandably at this point mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he flies up on top of this bridge and he breathes fire onto the concrete and uh, actually endangers the lives of Bryce Dallas Howard and Wes Bentley and then he saves them and all's good in the world and um, I liked that scene quite a bit. I thought it really did a lot to characterize Elliot, Mm -hmm. especially because he doesn't have words. He does. He's not a talking dragon. Yeah. And I think it did. I think it can, it was a really good shortcut to convey his feelings in that scene. And it didn't feel, um, forced. Uh, All the decisions would feel very organic, which is Mm. one of the positives of it, you know? Yeah. Um, It was, you were, you weren't on Elliot's side, like you knew what he was doing was wrong because it kind of felt like you were the pet owner of Elliot, you know? Um, Or like you knew what he was doing was wrong, but you also kind of got where he was coming from. Like I'd be pretty pissed too. Yeah. I've been chained down. I've been drugged. And And you're trying to take my companion away. Yeah, you're trying to take my friend away. 
I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah, so I get it. Um, and I think they did a good job of, of doing that and making you really, like, get into the psyche of the dragon. Yeah. You know? Um, what did you think about the, the end of the movie where they go and they visit Pete, or they Pete and his family, uh, who is... Dragonland, Visit the dragons, yeah. I thought that was cool. I thought, um, very Disney to have... It was a happy ending. I wasn't sure what kind of ending it would be at first. I thought... Part of me kind of hoped for the little bit more of a tragic, bittersweet ending, mm-hmm. where Elliot kind of went off and yeah, out of his love for the boy that was his friend. Um, but this was a, a sweeter ending, where Pete found his family and Elliot found his. Yes. So it kind of completed that circle, because that's how the movie began. The puppy had lost his family, and the Pete yeah. the storybook had lost his, and so at the end of our movie-slash-storybook... They both are reunited with, you know, families. And so I thought that was a nice way to kind of wrap it up. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I do agree that I was a little bit hoping that it would be um, not like like we talked about last week. Like, I didn't hope that Elliot died at the end, but mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping, like, it would be it would be like, oh, I've seen you through this season of your life. Yeah. Um, you know, um, kind of almost like this metaphor for marriage a little bit mm. uh, even though pete's obviously still a child yeah, and he's yeah, being raised yeah. by these new people but like for the most part elliot has raised pete mm-hmm. and you know he's married him off to a different family now and it's yeah. not i mean we're both married and we have not lost contact with our parents yeah <laughs> obviously that's not that's not how that works <laughs> yeah um it's not just like well see you later yeah, <laughs> like good luck big gulps huh yeah <laughs> um <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping, like, Elliot would just kind of fly off under the sunset and goes and has his own adventures, and we just kind of are left to wonder about that. Mm. Um, and then seeing them visit, and, you know, I think it's a good delivery on the song that they've been singing in the whole the whole movie about uh, the dragons in the north. I just bumped the chord. Um, I think it's a good... It, I think it's a good delivery on the the dragons in the north song that they've been singing yeah, the whole movie yeah. um we get to see that land we get to see that that's uh, actually true yeah and i kind of liked that of like oh yeah they were even setting up mythology for this in the beginning in the music of the movie yeah it it, it kind of justified the presence of that song a little bit yeah um and so i thought that was like that was a cool little touch that they didn't have to do yeah you know um so yeah it was good yeah, it was good. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, I I enjoyed it. I recommend. I highly recommend going to to check it out in theaters and enjoy it. Yeah, see it on a big screen because it looks great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah so the forests look really great. Like yeah. some of the best forest photography I've seen in a in a in a, in a, uh, a major motion picture. It looks really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. As always, you can find me at MJ Smith eight nine one on Twitter. Uh, Ryan, you are not on Twitter. Nay, nay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find the show before and after show at gmail.com. Email us. Uh, you can find us at thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's that R E E L perspective.blogspot.com. And what else? Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find the podcast over on SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, BeyondPod if you're an Android user. You can uh, find us on YouTube. Go subscribe over there this week. 
This week, Michael Morey and I are talking about Ben-Hur 1959 times, not 2016 times, because we wanted to watch a good movie. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a real fun episode with a real weird ending. <laughs> um, so go peep that. And uh, until next time, go watch Pete's Dragon. Phenomena. <laughs> Makana-san. <laughs>